Amen. Thank you, Channing. Thank you, band. Well, again, it is good to be with you here today. Uh, my name is Travis, like I said earlier. I'm the pastor here. Uh, thank you for joining us. You find us here uh, on week three of our series called The Church, The Gospel Made Visible. And over these uh, several weeks, uh, the last couple and, and the several weeks ahead as we dig into this, uh, really what we're trying to accomplish is, is laying a biblical foundation for what the church is, what the church is supposed to be about as we look ahead to the new year when, when the church at Haynes Creek officially launches out on our own, being our own church, our own entity. And here's the deal. We, we I hope, I hope we're all uh, in this together on this, this belief that we want to do this the Lord's way. We don't want to just make up church and do church in our own ideas and have our own thoughts and opinions. We want to do this according to Scripture, right? And the good news is the Lord is not silent and quiet about what he wants from the church. There's a lot of good stuff in the word that we see of what the church wants, what the Lord wants the church to be about. So last week, we, uh, I mentioned we're, we're starting kind of like a, a two-week topic, starting last week and continuing this week on the mission of the church. So what is the church supposed to be about? What is the church supposed to do? And like we said last week, there's three things that, that all churches are called to do. We, we are called to love God love people, and make disciples. So when we think of terms of what is the church at Haynes Creek supposed to do, supposed to be about, that's what I want us to think. I want us to think in terms of we, whatever it is that we do, whether it's worship, whether it's preaching, whether it's, excuse me, discipleship, whether it's any events that we do, I want us to think in terms of how is this helping us love God, love people, and make disciples. That's what it's all about. That is what we are called to do. That is what we are supposed to do as the church of God, as we are God's people gathering together. So last week we talked about the great commandment from Jesus, loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And today we're going to continue on with the third topic, making disciples. So to do that, we're going to look at the passage that Channing just read for us. It comes from Matthew chapter 28. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to start in verse 16 and look at uh, through verse 20. This is referred to as the Great Commission. You'll probably see that title at the top of this section in your Bibles. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, by the way, we got some free ones on the back on that table we'd love to give you today. If you don't own a Bible, please take one of those home with you. Uh, or You're more than welcome to follow along on the screen behind me as well. But Matthew chapter 28. And when we come to Matthew 28, these are the last words recorded in the gospel of Matthew. Uh, so think through the, the timeline of what's happened here. So Jesus has lived his life. He's lived his earthly ministry. He's been perfect throughout that time and is, has given his life on the cross. So at this point, Jesus has died. He's been raised again on the third day. And, and as the Bible tells us, after Jesus was raised from the dead, he spent about 40 days here on earth with his disciples, with his followers, preparing him for the moment that he would ascend back into heaven. So we don't know exactly when this statement occurs in terms of, you know, does Jesus send right after this? Is, you know, is he sticking around for a few days? But what we do know is, is these are some of the last words of Jesus before he leaves his disciples and ascends back into heaven. So this is a big deal, right? Think in terms of, I mean, if you, you had something to say on your last day, in your last moments, uh, you'd want it to be pretty significant, right? You probably don't want to be talking about the Braves. I know they're up 3-1. That's cool. That's exciting. I don't watch baseball, so I don't really know. Um, but, you know, you don't want to be talking about that. You want it to be something significant, something, something impactful, right? And that's what Jesus gives his followers, his disciples. In these last words, he gives them a mission. He gives them a calling, and he, and he sends them out to do his work. 
And this is not, these are not just words for Jesus' disciples. They carry on to his people today. These are words for you and I. So let's, let's spend our time digging into this. I'm going to read for us Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, and then we'll spend our time talking about it. It says this in verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So the, the, the command here, the calling from Jesus, the, the commission that he gives his disciples, and by extension us today, is this. It's, it's go and make disciples. That's the command here. Go and make disciples. Go into all the world, all the nations, everybody, and make disciples. And again, thankfully, Jesus doesn't leave us to figure, oh, well, okay, making disciples. I, I can just do whatever I want. I'll make, you know, I'll, I'll just come up with my own process for that. No, he tells us. He, he gives us three aspects of making disciples. Go, baptize, and teach. When we go and make disciples, we, we go into all the world. We go to everybody in our lives, in this world, and we tell them about Jesus. And when they put their faith in Jesus, we baptize them. And then we teach them to observe all that Jesus commanded. We, we help them understand what it looks like to live as a follower of Jesus. That's what discipleship is. That, that's what it means to go and make disciples. You tell people that don't know about Jesus, you tell them about Jesus. When they put their faith in Jesus, you dunk them to the glory of God. And when after that, then you teach them to do all that Jesus commanded. You teach them to live for Jesus in this world. That's what making disciples is. And look, I know uh, you can look and survey the, the church in America, and you, you'll find churches that, that kind of lean heavily on the evangelism side or heavily on the discipleship, the teaching side of things. And I just want to be clear where, where I want, where I believe the Lord has called all churches, and especially this one, especially the church at Haynes Creek, we're to do both. We are to do both. Evangelism and, and teaching people discipleship, that, that's two sides of the same coin of making disciples. We're called to do both. We're to, we're to go to people that don't know about Jesus and tell them about Jesus. And then when they put their faith in Jesus, we're to help them grow as a follower of Jesus. That's what Jesus is talking about here. That's what he's calling all of us to do. This is what it looks like to go and make disciples. So I want to spend uh, the rest of our time this morning talking about those three aspects of making disciples. Uh, going, baptizing, and teaching. We'll spend the most of our time on the going side of it because that is probably the more scary thing to, to go to somebody who doesn't know Jesus and actually share the gospel with them. I get it. It's weird. It's awkward. It's difficult. So we'll spend the bulk, bulk of our time talking about that. So that's our first point. Uh, the first aspect of making disciples is to go, is to go. So if you're taking notes, uh, I got real simple first point for you. Go, go. This is the, the evangelism thrust of Jesus's message. We are to go to all the nations everywhere and make disciples. Tell people who don't know about Jesus, tell them about Jesus. And in Jesus's command here to, to go, it implies that there are people out there in the world that don't know Jesus, and Jesus has called us as his followers to go and tell them about Jesus. That, that's the crazy part that just blows my mind about this whole process. God doesn't need us to accomplish his mission. He doesn't, right? He can do it perfectly without involving us, his broken people, just tr struggling to live for him every day. But yet, in his kindness and his goodness and in his mercy, he allows us to partner with him 
in this command. He allows us to partner with him in his mission to go and make disciples of all nations. So we are to go, and there's, there's three aspects of going that Jesus gives us here. First, he says that, that we are to go out, and we, we are sent out. We go by the authority of Jesus. So look at the command again. Verse 19, it says, go therefore and make disciples. So that command is make disciples. And the therefore that we see in verse 19, that what, what Jesus is basing that command on to go and make disciples is what he says in verse 18. So you back up one verse, you see that Jesus, when he, when he came to them, he says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So we go, we are sent out by the authority of Jesus Christ. As his followers, we are under his authority and we're to live for him. Now, now some of you might be wired like I am and you just want to kick back and push against any authority that's out there, right? Like that's just how I'm wired. You tell me to jump and I'm probably going to sit down and look at you. Uh, that's just, you know, that's how the Lord made me. Thankfully, he's refined me in, in my sanctification. Hopefully that will continue. Y'all can pray for me. Uh, but but I, I don't love authority. I don't like being told what to do. So some of you might be wired like me. You just hear that and you just want to push against it like, nope, I'm good. No, nope, no, nope, can't tell me what to do. I'm my own person. I'm an individual and I make the rules. But as a follower of Jesus, we don't make the rules. That's not how it works. If we're going to follow him, if we're going to live for him, we are under his authority. And he sends us out in his authority. So when Jesus says go as his followers, what are we supposed to do? Go. We're supposed to go. That's what it means to live under his authority. And here's an important thing to note here about this authority. Jesus says he's got all authority. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. So Jesus has all authority. And here's, here's what should give us some peace and some comfort. Because you think about this. The, the, the go and make disciples of all nations, that's a big calling. That's a big command. That can be overwhelming when we think about it. Go into the entire world and make disciples, that's crazy. How are we going to do that? How is that possible? It's possible by the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. So when we go and we are sent out to tell people about Jesus, is it scary? Is it awkward? Is it weird sometimes? Yes. Can it be overwhelming to think about the mission, this great mission that Jesus has called us to? Yes. But guess what? Jesus doesn't leave it up to us. It's by his authority and his power that he accomplishes his mission. So when we go out into this world, we go with the authority of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. We go in the full power and authority of our good God and Savior. When we go, we go under his power, his authority. He sends us out, and it's by his power and his authority that he accomplishes his mission. He does the work. All we're supposed to do is go. So we're, we're sent out by his authority. Second thing, we go where Jesus sends us. We go where Jesus sends us. So we, we, again, if we're under his authority, if we're his followers and we're doing whatever he tells us, we go wherever he sends us. Does that mean that you might be sent out overseas as a missionary? Yeah, it might. Does it mean that, that he might call you to, to move jobs, move cities, move neighborhoods in order to better advance his kingdom? Yeah, he, he, he might do that. He might do that. So we go where he sends us. Until that time, though, until he makes it clear it's time to go somewhere else, we're, we're to go where he has us right here. We're to go where, where he has us right here. He has called you here. He has you where you are right now for a purpose. 
See, the, the, the way the Bible presents this is that we are to see ourselves as followers of Jesus, each one of us, as a missionary sent out by God. Every single one of us is a missionary. No, no, sometimes for those of us that, that have grown up in church, it's easy to think of missions as something that happens over there, right? Missions is something that happens overseas, that's unreached people groups, that's somebody going, giving up their whole lives, giving up everything, selling everything, and going somewhere to live in another country as a missionary. That's missions. Yeah, we tend to think of it in, in terms like that. And, and unfortunately, that, that kind of gives us a pass, right? Well, you know, hey, I'm not called to be a missionary, so I, I guess I don't have to do that. Or we can go, well, you know what, I, I give a check to support this missionary, and that's how I, I do missions, or, or I support this organization. And, that, and that's awesome. Praise God for that. We, we should absolutely do that. But missions is not something that just happens over there. Missions is something that happens right here. So we, what Jesus is calling us here to, what he's calling us to is for us to see ourselves as missionaries wherever we are. In our neighborhood, in our workplace, with our family with our friends, in our community. Wherever we live, work, and play, we are a missionary sent there by God. See, what Acts 17 makes clear is that, that the Lord is in control of where we, where we live and where we go. It's not by accident that, that you work where you work and you live where you live. It's not by accident. The Lord has you there for a purpose. And I want you to hear me today. Part of that purpose, a big part of that purpose, is for you to advance his kingdom where he has you. It's for you to go into your neighborhoods, into your workplace, into your community, and bring the light of Christ to it. Share the gospel. Find people that don't know Jesus and tell them about Jesus. This is what he's called us to. And look, I, I, I'm convinced of this. this. There's an incredible missional opportunity right here, right now for us. This is something fascinating that, that, that I learned about this area. So I, I'm not from here. I, I haven't lived here. My wife and I, we live in Decula in Gwinnett County. Um, but, but something about Newton County, where we find ourselves here, Newton County, it is one of the most unreached counties in all of Georgia. One of the most unreached counties in all of Georgia. They, they say, based on recent statistics, that eight out of 10 residents of Newton County don't go to church anywhere aren't affiliated with church or Jesus, and not, not even coming on Christmas and Easter, right? You, know, you can't even check that box. Eight out of 10 people, completely unchurched, disconnected from church, disconnected from Jesus and the gospel. Eight out of 10, 80% of people. That's, that's roughly 90,000 people right here in this county that don't know Jesus. 90,000 people that if they were to die today would spend eternity separated from God forever. 90,000 people. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm convinced that, that the Lord wants to save some of those 90,000. I'm convinced that those 90,000 are not lost and completely done. I'm convinced that the Lord has a plan for some of those 90,000 to hear the gospel and put their faith in him. And I'm telling you, church, he's called us to take a part in that. He's called us to take a part in lowering that number. That's what he's calling us to. That's what he wants to see for this church. That, that's my prayer for this church, that we would see a small group of people like this making a huge impact for the kingdom of God. And the Lord can do that. The Lord wants to do that. Again, our, our job is to just respond in obedience, to just go where he sends us, and, and, he, and he sent us here. We have an incredible missional opportunity right here where we are. 
So we go in his authority, we go where he sends. Third thing about going is we are to seek out and build relationships with those that don't know Jesus. That's the next step here. That, that, that's the practical step that we're talking about here, here today. To go and make disciples, we actually have to go and get to know people who don't know Jesus. And the awesome thing about what, what we just talked about is, is chances are it'll be real easy to get to know some people that don't know Jesus. 90,000 people, 80%, 8 out of 10 people that you will run into wherever you go don't know Jesus. Man, that's an easy opportunity, right? We don't have to go searching for that. It's right here in front of us. So what are we supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to actively build relationships with people who don't know Jesus. And this is all based on what we talked about last week. It's all based on, on our love for God and our love for others. So when we love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and we love our neighbors as much as we love ourselves, mission should be the natural overflow of that. It should be the natural extension of our love for God and our love for others. We should just naturally see, oh, man, the, I love these people. I care about these people. I want these people to spend eternity with Jesus. I want these people to be saved. I want these people to be rescued. I want these people to stop living in brokenness and despair. And Jesus is the only one who can do that. So if we truly love our neighbor, if we truly love God with everything, we, we will go and we will tell others about Jesus. So we build relationships with people who don't know Jesus. So think just for a moment. Think who in your life needs to hear about Jesus. Who in your life right here today, right now, needs to hear about Jesus? Is it a neighbor? Is it a coworker? Is it one of your family members? Who in your life do you know that does not know Jesus? Who has God put around you that needs to hear about the saving truth of Jesus Christ? If you're like, I, I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody like that. Well, again, good news. 80% of people you're going to run into out and about don't know Jesus. So think in terms of, well, where, where am I going? What am I around? Who do I see on a regular basis? What places am I at? Right, most of us don't live in Christian neighborhoods. That's called a compound. I don't think most of us live on a compound. Most of us don't work just for Christian companies where you're surrounded by Christians all the time. I can tell you right now, even if that's true, even if you live and all your neighbors are Christians, where you work, everybody's Christians. Last time I checked, Hobby Lobby wasn't selling groceries, so you can go to the grocery store where there's secular people around you and get to know them because, you know, we don't have Christian grocery stores. So there, there's opportunities. We just sometimes got to get creative. We got to think outside the box sometimes. If that's you, if I'm talking to you, you're like, man, everybody in my life is a Christian. Well, praise God for that. There's a lot of the 90,000 people around us that don't know Jesus. So let's start getting to know them. Let's start getting to know them. Let's actively pursue relationships with non-believers. All right, so if you're hearing this and you're like, yeah, let, let, okay, sounds great, Travis. Yes and amen to that. Fully agree with you. But now what? Now what? Yes, yes, agree. But how do we do this? Well, a couple of thoughts to, as we think through practically what does this look like? How do we practically build relationships with those that don't know Jesus and tell them about Jesus? Well, to help foster and create these gospel relationships, I want us to think in terms of sharing the gospel like this. I want us to think in terms of displaying the truth of the gospel with our lives and declaring the truths of the gospel with our lips. So displaying with our lives and declaring with our mouths the truths of the gospel. And if you want an awesome resource to help you, this book right here, Gospel Fluency by Jeff Vanderstelt, is an incredible resource. This is an amazing book, one of my favorite books that I've ever read. And in this, he gives a lot of practical insight and wisdom on how to build relationships with those that don't know Jesus 
and share the gospel with them. I'll, I'll leave this up here for you to look at if you want to later, but The Gospel Fluency by Jeff Vanderstelt, incredibly impactful in my life, um, and just, you know, full cards on the table. What I'm going to share next, I, I stole a lot of it from that book. So uh, just, you know, citing my work here. Um, but in the, in the book, he talks a lot about displaying Jesus with your life and declaring with your lips. So let's talk about that. What, what could that look like? How do we display the truths of the gospel? One of the ways we can do that is just think through the character and the works of Jesus Christ. You know, what are some attributes of Jesus that we can display to those around us? Think, just think, who is Jesus? Who is he? What's his character like? Well, he's kind. All right, God is kind. How can we be kind? That, kindness is kind of a lost art in our society right now. So just being, the, the, the low bar of just being kind to other people kind of makes you stand out a little bit right now. So just kindness, patience. Our God is patient with us, right? Praise the Lord for that. Praise God for his patience. How can we be patient with those in our lives? Grace. Man, I, I don't know if you've seen this, but, but our culture has no grace whatsoever right now. You mess up one time and you are just canceled, done forever. There's no grace. But our God is full of grace. He displays his grace to us over and over and over again. So how can we display grace and mercy and second chances to those in our lives. Love, that's what we talked about last week. How, how can we display the love of God to those around us? Forgiveness. Our God forgives us of everything over and over and over again. How can we display the forgiveness of God to those in our lives? Truth. Truth. Our, our society, our culture is all of a sudden obsessed with truth. And it used to be and you, you, it's all relative. You know, whatever truth is, is true for you, then that's good. You, you do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. Don't you tell me what to believe. But now, I don't know if you notice, it's completely shifted again. Now it's all about absolute truth, and our culture is saying, no, if you don't believe this, if you don't think this is true, well, then you're just wrong. Well, the good news is Jesus says that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We can display the truth of God. This is what ultimate truth is. You want to talk about absolute truth? It's the truth of Jesus. We have that right here. We have it, and we can display that to the world around us. So think in, in terms of Jesus' character. You can also think in terms of what Jesus does for us and how we can display this. What does Jesus do for us? Well, one of the ways he serves us, right? Jesus says in Mark 10, 45, I, I came not to be served, but to serve. So if God himself can serve us, I'm pretty sure we can serve others, right? So how, how can we serve other people? Advocate, Jesus says that, that he is our advocate. He, he speaks up and we don't have a voice. We, we can't speak up on our behalf because our sin just overwhelms everything. But Jesus speaks on our behalf. How can we advocate for those around us? Restores. Our God restores everything, not just us. He's, he's restoring all of creation at the end. He's going to restore everything. How can we be a people that, that sees what's broken in our community and seeks to restore it in the name of Jesus? provider. Our God is our ultimate provider. He provides for, for all of our needs. How can we provide for those in need around us? How can we provide for the needs of our community in the name of Jesus? We're going to talk about this next week but, but with Orphan Sunday, but, but our God is father to the fatherless. He stands up and fights for the most vulnerable. How, how can we do that in our society? Who are the vulnerable ones in our society that we can come along and protect and care for and serve in the name of Jesus? A couple really practical things that I would encourage you 
to do as you're thinking about how can I display the truths of Jesus? Prayer. Pray a lot. Pray a lot. Pray for your friends, for your family, for your neighbors, for your community. Pray. One of the things that, that I've been doing um, that I've just seen a, a lot of good things come from is, is just prayer walking my neighborhood. So at night after the kids go to bed, uh, I just need some time to kind of decompress and think through the day and process everything. So I just go out and I go for a walk at the end of the day. And it started out just, you know, clearing my head, thinking about whatever, praying for my family, praying for, you know, the church and all that stuff. And, and, and I continue to do that. But what it turned into is walking by my neighbors and knowing the ones that I know and knowing their stories and knowing their brokenness and knowing their need for Jesus. It turned a lot into praying for them praying for the, the ones that I know, praying for the ones that I don't know, praying for the Lord to open up opportunities for me to get to know them. So a real practical thing that we can do right now, you can start today even at, you know, trick-or-treating. We're all going to be going out, walking around. Pray. Pray for your neighbors. Prayer walk your neighborhood. You're like, man, I don't have a neighborhood. Well, good news. There's a lot of neighbors, a lot of neighborhoods right here on this street where our church is. Adopt a neighborhood and say, me and my family, we're going to prayer walk that neighborhood once a week, twice a week, whatever it is. And when you see people out, get to know them. Introduce yourselves. Ask how you can pray for them. You'll see the Lord open up incredible opportunities. So prayer is a big one. Another big one in this culture, I think this is really the way towards evangelism in this specific culture right now that we find ourselves, hospitality. Radical hospitality. You want to create an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody? Open up your home to them. Have them over for dinner. Radical Hospitality. Another book that was really impactful in my life is this. It says, Gospel Comes with a House Key by Rosaria Butterfield. This is all about gospel-centered, radical hospitality. I can't recommend this book enough. You want to know what it looks like to open your home to those in your community, in your world, and share the gospel with them and love them in the name of Jesus Christ? I'm telling you, read this book. It's phenomenal. But that's it. It's so simple. Just open them up. You meet one of your neighbors. Hey, why don't you come over this week for dinner? Come over next Saturday for dinner. We'd love to have you over for dinner. It shows that you care about them. shows that you love them. You're not just trying to check this box off, this proselytizing box, like, oh, I made disciples today. Check. Done. That's not what it's about. It's about truly loving and caring for those around us. So hospitality, I'm telling you, the way in, especially in this culture, with, with so much skepticism and so much doubt and so much fear of you trying to invade my life, I'm telling you, you invite somebody into your home, that is so disarming. Because again, it shows that you love and you actually care about them and you want to get to know them. It's hospitality. Okay, so we are to display the truths of Jesus with our lives. And we're also to declare the truths of Jesus with our lips. So we have to show and we have to tell. And look, if we're, if, if we're real, if we're honest, I think the showing is a little bit easier, right? Like, it, it, you know, we can think in terms of, man, how can I serve somebody? How can I provide? And it's nice to just do that. And it's nice, you know, I'm, I'm displaying my life. You know, people are, are seeing that I'm different. And, you know, hopefully one day they'll ask me, hey, Travis, you seem a little different. You seem a little kinder, nicer, more gracious than the world around. Nobody usually says that. It's usually they say that about my wife, not me. But, uh, you know, if they were to say that, you know, you could go, oh, well, yeah, you, you saw that? Yeah, well, let me, let me tell you about Jesus. So it, it's easy kind of to think, into, well, let me just display and hope that somebody comes and talks to me. Then I can have the gospel conversation. I'm telling you that we, we have to take that next step to actually tell, though. We actually have to tell them the truths of Jesus. Uh, Donald Whitney, in, in his book on spiritual disciplines, phenomenal book on spiritual disciplines. You want to learn about spiritual disciplines? Go get Donald Whitney's book on that topic today. Phenomenal. And it is a chapter on evangelism. He tells a story uh, of, a, of a guy at his, at his job place, just working his normal life, but, but he's searching. He's, he's realizing that his life, you know, isn't what he wants it to be. 
He wants more. He's searching for more. And finally, he has a friend of his invite him to this Christian conference or concert, something, I can't remember the exact details, but invites him somewhere where the gospel is being presented. And this guy who's been searching, here's the gospel, here's the truth of Jesus, puts his faith in Jesus that day. How awesome is that, right? Praise God for that. Praise God for that. He's put his faith in Jesus. And this guy, he's just like on fire immediately. He's going back telling everybody he can about Jesus. Goes into work the next Monday and is just telling everybody he can find about Jesus and how his life has been changed by Jesus. And man, the boldness, the courage of this guy actually sits down in front of his boss and tells him about Jesus. And his boss goes, well, praise God for that. Man, I'm a Christian too, and I've been praying for you. I've been praying for this day. Man, this is, this is awesome that you're a Christian, and I'm a Christian too. Praise God for this. And the employee is kind of taken aback by it. He's like, wait, you're a Christian too? His boss goes, yeah, yeah, I've been praying for you for a long time. The employee goes, well, well how, come, how come you never told me about Jesus? How come you never told me? And the boss responds, you know, out of some concern. He goes, well, I, I've tried to show you that. You know, I've tried to be, you know, a good example. You know, I've tried to live a good life, tried to be an upstanding person, righteous, and, and living a good life, and, and trying to be a good boss, and treating you, my employees well, and, and trying to do the right thing. I've tried to show you, Jesus. The employee says, yeah, you, you showed me that. I just didn't know it was because of Jesus. I, I thought you were living this good life. I felt like you, you were living this righteous life apart from God. So if you could do it, well, then so could I. This guy desperately needed to hear about Jesus. And we can display all day long. We can show all day long. But church, we also have to tell. We also have to open our mouths and share the gospel. We have to tell people about Jesus. People need to hear about Jesus. Romans 10 says that how are they to believe in someone in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without somebody telling them? God's called us to show and tell. He's called us to go and tell people about Jesus. People need to know why we're doing the things we're doing. Why are we loving? Why are we caring? Why are we generous? Why are we providing? Why are we doing these things? Well, it's all because of Jesus, right? It's all because of Jesus. It is all because of what he has done for us, and we want to do that for others. So in our displaying, we also need to declare. How do we do that? I get it. It's awkward it's weird. I understand that. I understand. So how do we do that? Simple, you, you just tell them your story. If you're a believer in here, we all have a Jesus story. We all have a story that once we were lost and now we're saved. Once we were apart from God and now we're near to God. Once we were dead in our sins and now we're alive in Christ. We all have that story. Whether you were saved as a five-year-old or a 55-year-old, it doesn't matter. You have been changed by Jesus. We all have a story to tell. Do you want to know how to share the gospel? You tell your story. You tell your story of how Jesus rescued a sinner like you. And how he's changing your life now and how he wants to change their lives too. So we tell our story. Another way to open up opportunities is you ask questions about others. Now again, this is how we show our love and care for them. So you invite somebody in your home, you invite them in for dinner, ask them what they believe, ask them their story, ask them what's going on in their lives. And here's the deal, once you've asked them and they've shared, it gives you the opportunity to then share. So ask, listen, learn about their stories. Look for gospel conversations. These conversations about life that you're having with your neighbors, 
with your coworkers, with your family members who don't know Jesus. And as they talk about their needs, as they talk about what's going on, their struggles in life. Look, we've all got struggles, right? We've all got struggles. We've all got things that we wrestle with in life. The good news for us as believers is we have Jesus that we can run to. We have Jesus that we can depend on. So as, as, as your friends and family and neighbors are expressing their brokenness, expressing their struggles and frustrations in life, take advantage of that opportunity and point them to Jesus. He's the only one with solutions anyways. We can give all the practical advice we want to, but without Jesus, we got nothing. Just point them to Jesus. Take advantage and look for gospel opportunities. Point them to Jesus and his word. Look, you got, uh, people might have questions. And I get that. That's the scary thing. Well, what if they ask a question I don't know the answer to? It's okay to say you don't know. You got permission to do that. You can say, I don't know. I have no idea. But I do know who knows the answer, and that's Jesus. You got questions? I got questions too. Let's dig into Jesus's word and look for the answers and pray for the answers. Go through, you know, read a gospel with them. Go through the gospel of Mark or John or, or whatever it is. Read through the Bible. Pray together. Ask questions together. Search for answers together. Another thing you can do, real easy, the come and see approach. So we're talking about the go and tell. There's also the come and see. And we see this with uh, the woman at the well in John chapter four. What happens when, when she puts her faith in Jesus? What does she do? She runs into her city and says, y'all got to come here. Y'all, all y'all, you got to come with me and you got to meet this guy named Jesus. So a real easy way to, to spark up gospel conversations and gospel opportunities, invite people with you to come to church. Look, we can do, we, we can do all the events in the world here. We can do all the outreach events in the world. We can send out a billion flyers to everybody here and overwhelm them with their mail. We can do that. Maybe we will someday. Maybe we will do outreach events. Maybe we will send out a flyer. But I'm telling you, you want to know the most impactful way you can get somebody to come to church? You invite them. You ask them to join you in service. Say, hey, I, you know, I'd love for you to come and just come to church with me. And look, I'll give you this promise. As much as it depends on me, I'll share the gospel every Sunday. We will talk about Jesus. We will dig into his word. And we will point people to the only person who can save. We will talk about the gospel. So invite, come and see. Come and see about Jesus. Come and see who this Jesus is all about. Invite them to come to church with you. Again, we go where Jesus sends us. He has you where you are for a reason. He has you where you are for a purpose. And part of that purpose is to tell others about Jesus. Let's do that. So the first part of making disciples is to go and tell others about Jesus. And then as they put their faith in Jesus, the second thing we're called to do is baptize, is baptize. And these next two will go quick. Uh, but this is the next phase in making disciples is to baptize them. Jesus says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when somebody puts their faith in Jesus, the, the next step is, is to, to be baptized. And then look, quick thoughts on baptism. A uh, few things here, just so we're all on the same page. One, baptism does not save us. Baptism does not save us. When you get baptized, that water is not holy. It's not special. It's water. It's water. Baptism does not save us. You're like, well, then why, why do I need to get baptized? Well, apart from Jesus telling us to, that should be enough, but sometimes it's not. I get it. We need more. It's, it, apart from that, what baptism does is it tells everybody else, I belong to Jesus. I'm with Jesus. The example I always give is my wedding ring. So I'm married to my wife, Kendra. We've been married for 12 years. I take this wedding ring off. Am I still married? Yes, I'm still married. The ring does not make me married. The ring tells everybody 
that I'm married and I belong to my wife. That's why I wear the ring, to tell everybody else that I'm married. Same with baptism. Baptism is this outward symbol of the inward change that happens when we put our faith in Jesus. So when we put our faith in Jesus, like we said, what happens is uh, the Bible talks about how, how we're dead in our sins, how we're dead in our sins apart from Jesus, and yet when, when he saves us, we're made alive. And so Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 6 when he says that, that that old life, that slave to sin life, that dead and sin life, that's the old way. And when, you're, when you put your faith in Jesus, that old way is, is put to death. It is dead and you are raised to this new life in Jesus. So baptism just shows that. As we're buried down into the water, we're raised again in newness of life. It's an outward symbol of the inward change that happens when we put our faith in Jesus. That's why we get baptized. That's why it should be a public declaration done in front of our church family, not just so that we can celebrate, but it's your opportunity to say, hey, everybody, just want y'all to know I belong to Jesus now. I'm with Jesus. I'm living for him. So if, if you're here and you've never been baptized, I just want to tell you, it's your pastor, I would love to dunk you to the glory of God. It'll be awesome. You'll get wet. You'll be cold, but it'll be amazing. It'll be incredible. And we'll all celebrate with you. This is what we're called to do. Disciples are baptized. That's what Jesus calls you. So you, you go and you tell them, they put their faith in Jesus, and you dunk them to the glory of God. Number three, last part of making disciples is teaching. We are to teach. We are to teach. So uh, let me read verse 20 here. So it says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So once somebody puts their faith in Jesus, our job is just beginning. Our job is just starting. It's just beginning. We don't want to, oh, you put your faith in Jesus? Cool, you're good. You know, you'll figure it out. You'll be good. You'll be fine. Just figure it out. You'll be all right. That's not what he calls us to do. No, he calls us to teach. He calls us to teach people how to live for Jesus. That word for disciple in your Bible, it, it means learner. Disciples are to be learners. We're, we're to have somebody teach us how to follow him. And who teaches us? Jesus. And he calls us to take a part in that teaching so that we can teach one another. So a couple of things that, that Jesus says here about teaching is he says that, that we are to observe all that he commanded. Observe. That, that word for observe brings to mind not just head knowledge, but a lifestyle. Not just filling our heads with, with, with knowledge about Jesus, but, but learning in such a way that that knowledge sinks down into our hearts and our lives and we live like Jesus. That's what he's talking about. When he says to observe, that's what he's pointing at. He's talking about a lifestyle, not just gaining a bunch of knowledge. Look, we, we can have all the right answers, right? We, we can learn all the, the good theology. We can have right doctrine. We can know all the things we need to know. But if that knowledge is not making us look more like Jesus, it's useless. It's useless. This is what it means to learn. This is what it means to observe, not just gain head knowledge, but so that our lives match what we say we believe. That's what Jesus is talking about here. And he says that the word to observe all that he commanded. What that means is, is we don't get to pick and choose, right? We don't get to pick and choose and say, well, I like this command, so I'm going to do that, but I don't, I don't really like that one so much. I don't really like that, so you know what? I'm, I'm going to find a loophole. I'm going to get around that, and I don't have to follow that. That's, that's not how it works. Again, we're, we're under the authority of Jesus, right? As his followers, we're saying, we're going to live for you. We're going to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow you. We're going to live for you. So that means we don't get to pick and choose, especially with this. Like, I get it, you know? 
again, the awkwardness of sharing the gospel, it would be nice if we can go, well, you know, that's just, that's for a select few and the Lord saw fit not to select me to do that. So I'm not, I'm going to pass on sharing the gospel. We don't get to do that. We don't get to do that. We don't get to do that with any of his commands, especially this one. We are to obey all that he commanded and we're to teach others to do the same. So we invite others into our learning. We invite others into our growth. We, we, we get together with other believers and we, we read the Bible together. We pray together. We hold one another accountable. We, those of us that, that are more mature in our faith, we, we take those that are younger in their faith and, and we come alongside them to mentor them and help them and teach them. We all need that in our lives. We are to teach one another about Jesus. And, and our last point as we close up today, our last point is this point number four, Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. Look, look at how Jesus ends his time with his disciples. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I, I am with you always to the end of the age. To the end of the age. Jesus is with us. Jesus is with us. When he sends us out, we don't go alone. We go with Jesus. He is always with us. And look, Jesus, in the original language here, there's emphasis added here. So Jesus is making a point to say, I'm with you. Pay attention to that. Grab hold of that. Remember that truth. I am with you. You're not by yourself. You're not doing this alone. I am with you. I'm with you. Jesus is with us, the one who has all authority, all power, the creator of everything and everyone is with us always. Let that sink in for a moment. Jesus is with us. I don't know about you, but that, that's a truth that I take for granted far too often. It's a truth that I forget far too often. When things get hard, when things in this world get scary and difficult, I feel like it's all, all on me. I'm by myself, that I'm alone, that, that God has somehow turned his back on me. That's not true. That's a lie straight from the devil. Jesus is with us. And I want you to catch this. Jesus' command to go and make disciples is couched with his power and his presence. It's couched with, with, with his power. He sends us out with his authority, all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus has it all. He, he's got all the power, all the authority, and he says he's with us. So he sends us out with his power and with his presence. He is with us. Is it scary to go and make disciples? Yeah, sometimes it can be. Can it be awkward and weird and difficult? Will he lead us into strange places? Yeah, some, sometimes, sometimes it'll be all that. But in those moments, let's remember that Jesus is with us. That Jesus is with you. And that he will empower you. That he will empower your going. He will empower your displaying. He will empower your declaring and your teaching. He is with us and he will see it through. He will accomplish his mission.
And that, that's the beauty of this. That's the beauty of this, is, is he does all the heavy lifting. He does all the hard work. It's not up to us to save people. I don't have to, to save people. If I'm like, oh, man, I fumbled through that. I didn't, I didn't explain that very well. I didn't know what to really say, so I just felt like I was bumbling, and, and I have no idea what actually just happened right now. Like, that's not up to us to, to say things in such a special, powerful way that people are like, oh, well, because you explained it that way, now let me put my faith in Jesus. Now, any salvation is a work of the Lord. It's all him. He, he does the heavy lifting. What he calls us to do is to walk in faithful obedience to share his truth. Our job is to tell people. His job is to save and rescue. So we can rest in that. We can rest that he will accomplish his mission, that he will do his work. All he calls us to do is faithfully follow him is to walk in obedience to him. Jesus says this in Matthew 9, starting in verse 35. It says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. He had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep, without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Church, the harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. This area, this community, this county is ready for the gospel. It's ready. And look, I, I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that the reason the Lord has preserved this church over the last five years, the reason he started this work, the reason that we're all here, that you've all stuck around for the ups and downs, the starting and the stopping, the reason for that is because God wants to use you to impact this county for the gospel. the harvest is ready. So will you go? Will you go? Will you be one of Jesus's workers? He's inviting us in. He's calling us in. He wants to do this. He's ready. He's asking for laborers. He's asking for workers. So church, will we respond? Will we go where he has us, seeing those around us, as a missionary would, looking at our, our jobs, our neighborhoods, our community, our family, our friends, and saying, Lord, show me what to do. I'm ready to be your worker. Send me out. Let's go and tell people about Jesus. Let's bring the light of Christ into this community, into this county church. 90,000 people, 90,000 people, and I'm convinced that, that out of those 90,000, the Lord has some that he wants to save. Those 90,000 aren't lost. They're not gone for good. The Lord wants to save people, and he's asked us to go with his truth and his power and his authority and share the gospel. So church, will we go? Will we go? Will we be a people? Will we be a church that loves God? loves people, 
and makes disciples. That's what I want to see. That, that's what I'm praying for. I think this is why the Lord has us here. I truly believe this is his purpose. So church, let's respond in obedience. Let's go and tell others about Jesus. Let's bring the light of Christ to this broken and dark world. And let's see what Jesus does. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, I just want to invite you into that work as well. Again, the Lord has you here for a purpose. He has you here today for a reason. I believe that, the, that today is the day of your salvation. Jesus went to the cross out of love for you. He gave his life for you so that you could have forgiveness, so you could find freedom, so you could be restored, you could find fulfillment and satisfaction, and you don't have to keep searching for that. This world only offers broken promises anyways. The only promise it can deliver on it is being broken and despaired and ultimately destroyed. But Jesus, as he says, he is the way, the truth, and the life. You want to find forgiveness, you want to find hope, you want to find healing. It's found in Jesus. And all he calls us to do is to respond in faith to that. To say, Jesus, I, I know that I'm broken. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that on my own, I deserve to be separated from you for all of eternity. But I also know that you died to save me. I know that by faith in you, I find forgiveness. That's all we gotta say. Say, Jesus, I wanna live for you. So if that's you here today, I just wanna encourage you. I'm gonna pray in a moment. The band's gonna come up and lead us in a couple more songs. I would just encourage you to take a moment where you are right now and just say those words to Jesus. Just say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I want you to save me. And if that's you today, I, let somebody know before you go home so we can jump up and down and praise God for that because that is, that is a miracle, church. That's a miracle and we want to celebrate with you. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy, Lord. I thank you that you saw fit to save sinners like us. Well, we didn't deserve that. We didn't do anything to earn that. So Jesus, we, we thank you. We, we worship you. And Lord, I pray that, that out of that worship, out of that love for you, that we would go. That we would go and we would share the gospel, that we would be your worker. Lord, the harvest is ready. The harvest is ready, Lord. Let us be workers of the harvest. Let us, let us pray to the Lord of the harvest to, to bring people, to rescue people, to save and redeem as only you can do, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to partner with you in your work. Lord, I pray that you give us strength as we seek to obey you. I pray that you give us eyes to see all the gospel opportunities around us. I pray for strength to walk in obedience, to take advantage those opportunities to bring your light to the darkness around us, Lord. Lord, I'm excited to see what you're going to do. I know that you have good and big things planned, Lord, and, and we thank you for that. We pray that we as a body would walk in complete and faithful obedience to you, Lord. And we ask all this in your powerful name. Amen.